0: Welcome once again to the Grade A Movies Podcast. My name is Larry Lannon, and I'm with two writers from gradeamovies.com, Adam Austin and Alec Toombs. They both also write for thefilmyap.com. And we haven't had a chance to, to get together for several weeks. We're all very busy, but we haven't forgotten our audience. We hope you haven't forgotten us. Adam, Alec, uh, great to be back with you.
1: Good to see you, fellas.
0: So let's get started. Good to see you guys. Okay. So we are going to dive right into films and the latest film that all three of us have seen is no time to die. The James Bond film before we start talking about it, and I'll let you to give your take before I give mine. The one thing that I struggled with when I wrote my review of this bond film is that there are so many spoilers in this story. It's hard to write a review and explain to the audience what the film is about and not spoil it. I saw a few reviewers who put huge cautions on their reviews saying, spoiler alert, plenty of spoilers. That's the only way I know how to write this review. So let me start with Alec. You've seen No Time to Die, the latest Bond film, the 25th of the series of Bond films. Uh, Curious to hear your take on it
2: i actually seen the movie twice now. I saw it a second time on my birthday this past week. Uh, I was a big, big fan of the movie. Um, I think it's probably the second best uh, Daniel Craig Bond movie to date. It would probably be in my top five favorite Bond movies of all time. Um, it is long, which turned some people off, but uh, I thought it was excellent.
0: I think it's roughly two and a half hours. I may be a bit off on I think a little
2: longer, maybe like uh-huh.
0: 245. Even more. Well, if you put all the uh, credits in, I think it's 245, but it's a little over two and a half hours for, you know, actually watching the film. Um, but yeah, what, what uh, you say, it's the second best Craig top five in the 25 bond films. Uh, what again, without being <laughs> spoiling too much, uh, what struck you about the film to put it so high on your list?
2: Numerous things. I loved how the opening sequence almost felt like a horror movie. Um, I think Craig is the best actor to have ever played Bond. And I say that as somebody who loves Sean Connery. Like, forever, he was my favorite Bond. But uh, as a collective piece of work, the the five movies Craig did, he's now my favorite Bond. Um, Just edging out Connery.
0: Yeah, I would have to say that Connery created the character. He'll always be the best for me.
1: uh, uh, But
0: Craig is good. I won't uh, deny that. Well, let's bring Adam into this uh, No Time to Die. Latest Bond film. Uh, Curious to hear your take.
1: So I'm going to say some criticisms, but don't take these criticisms to say that I hated this film or this is a terrible movie. Um, It's a really enjoyable film, and one I really recommend you go see. Especially if you're a fan of the Daniel Craig Bond films, it will be a satisfying experience. That being said, there are some things I didn't particularly like choice-wise about the film. Um, First off, I would say it was probably the third best Daniel Craig Bond film behind Casino Royale and Skyfall Um, I didn't really care for Quantum of Solace or Spectre as much, but they were still enjoyable. This one, it has a few things different than from the other Daniel Craig Bond movies. For one, it's got a lot more humor. For me, some of the humor worked. Some of it landed like a thud. It kind of was corny one-liners. I think there was a part where, I'll just spoil it it because it's not spoiling the movie, where a character says, do you know what time it is? It's time to die. And then kills the guy. Like, wow, it's it's not only the title line, but a, a cheesy one-liner. Great. And I think Daniel Craig has a, a one-liner that we'll all know later in the film that is the ultimate dad joke. Like, people were either laughing or groaning in the climax when he said that one. And uh, I guess I, I won't laughing. spoil it, but I'll remind <laughs> you guys later. What? I was laughing. But, uh, yeah. But it was, there was also another thing about this, too, there were a lot more gadgets than some of the Daniel Craig Bond movies. Uh, The thing about Casino Royale, even Skyfall, is they were really grounded when it came to Daniel Craig. Uh, Under Roger Moore and especially Pierce Brosnan, we saw Bond stretch the limits of believability sometimes. I think there was a Pierce Brosnan one where he had an invisible car uh going to outer space with roger moore and moonraker in one of the worst bond movies it became a little goofy um this the the daniel craig ones have always been grounded you know he fought people hand to hand he used a gun maybe he had a slight gadget but it was always something you could do in real life uh this one when they had the car kind of shoot the, the smoke and the things out of it and the machine guns come out i'm like okay so we're we're Doing a nod to Bond's past, I suppose,
2: in the Can I counter movies. you real quick though? I think yeah. in some ways this is one of the most grounded James Bond movies. Like emotionally, I think this the emotional stakes of the movie are much higher. Um, he's kind of dressed down a lot of the movie. He's not always in fancy suits and stuff. He's kind of dressing more casually, more like somebody actually dresses in real life. I mean, in some ways, I think it is very, very grounded.
0: Well, the interesting he was, thing. I'm sorry. Yes. No, I was just, let me quickly say About that the Daniel that,
1: Craig movies. Yeah, sorry.
0: I'm, it's we're having a bit of a delay there. So I'm sorry. That's why we're having a problem. I, I just mm-hmm. want to say real quickly, you guys can just chime in. The, one of the reasons he's not dressed as well is because he's no longer uh, a British agent. He's retired right. for five years as the movie really starts to get going, although it starts earlier and then you go, you do you go five years later. So a retired agent hired by the CIA, I mean that's that, that's pretty well known as far as part of the story. That's why he gets back into the spy game. And uh, the British intelligence people get caught up in, in something that uh, just spun out of control. That's part of what, what happens in this film. So I, I, I have to say just a couple of things. I think that the, the, the humor is about the same. I think the Bond films, about, some of them are thuds, some of them are funny. That's kind of been true of all the Bond films that I have watched, going all the way back to Sean Connery. Uh, but I do believe that uh, what always strikes me about these Bond films, every one of them, is that James Bond can just absolutely destroy an entire army of men with the same or even less uh, firepower. He always seems to do that. I guess that's what makes the films interesting. And the chase scenes and uh, the sh- shootout scenes and the fight scenes are very well done. They just gaff those so well. Uh, I liked the, I mean, it's just it, what they were able to do with those car chase in the Italian countryside was amazing. So I, I liked a lot about the film. I don't think it is the best or the worst. I think it's right about in the middle. If you look at the whole 25 films uh, of the bond series, Moonraker was down toward the bottom. I agree with, with uh, Adam on that. So I, I liked the film. I gave it a B grade because I do recommend people see it. And, uh, uh, there there were reveals about some of the characters. Uh, by the way, Rami Malek was perfectly cast as the villain. And the other part of that is, you know, sometimes when you create a villain in a storyline or the scriptwriters do that, if somebody is just totally evil, that's not a very interesting villain. The Rami Malek character who he plays is a villain, but he's a complicated villain. And he sort of explains why he does what he does, doesn't excuse it, but you sort of understand where he's coming from. And to me, that makes it a more interesting film. Adam, I'll let you uh, go back and so talk some more. One
1: other interesting thing about the Daniel Craig Bond films, and this differs from the other Bond films. Uh, first of all, during the Sean Connery days, they were based on novels. They, so each movie, for the most part, was based on a book uh, by Surrey and Fleming, right? So, yes. mm-hmm. uh, and so they, they all kind of had their story, just like Sherlock Holmes stories. This one's their Casino Royale was the one that was based on a Bond book that previously been made into a movie, but redone. But the rest of them are original stories, and they almost carry over the the continuity and the the universe and the canon. Um, that wasn't always the case in a lot of the older Bond films. Each Bond film was a standalone entry. That if you never saw a previous Bond film, you didn't didn't matter. This one, No Time to Die, if you have not seen. Uh, Casino Royale, Quantum of Solace, Skyfall, and, and Spectre, especially you definitely need to see Spectre before
2: seeing this. Yes, yeah, you probably.
1: might be a little lost. So just know that going into it. Some of the characters, I think they built them up over the movies and it worked. Others, I mean, we had like a minor appearance by Christoph Waltz and Spectre, and now he's supposed to be some big bad in this movie. I don't think he was developed enough to earn that. I think that just the name Blowfield really matters to fans of the Bond movies who remember it from the years past when other actors uh, played the role. Um, it was good. It was a nice send-off to Daniel Craig, and just not a big spoiler. It is clear Daniel Craig will not be reprising this role. They made that crystal clear in this movie, so if you enjoy the other Daniel Craig movies, watch this. If you haven't seen any Daniel Craig movies, this might not be the one to start with.
0: So I see we have uh, recommendations to see it on different levels. Am I picking up uh, the correct vibes from both of you on that? Okay,
2: I Excellent. will take an exception with you with uh, the Rami Malek comment you made earlier, Larry. Uh, if I had an issue with the movie, it was him. I think he was kind of miscast.
0: Why do you on, say that?
2: Um, mostly his age. I think he since he won the Oscar for Bohemian Rhapsody, he keeps getting miscast in movies but he's still a good enough actor where he makes it work like he was in the movie the little things from earlier this year i don't think he fit the role he was playing correctly but he still makes it sing somehow um he's way too young to be playing the role he's playing in this movie if you're looking at the time he and uh what's the french actress's name who's in the movie um yes Yes, Yes, Lea do thank you uh in actuality they're like four years apart in age uh, given the circumstances of what happens in the movie, he should probably be like 50 or 60 years old.
0: Well, the makeup artists do a good job of this film. <laughs> that does help. But I, I would, He's uh, kind
2: of boyish to me still. I felt like somebody, granted, they've both been in Bond movies before, but like Javier Bardem or uh, like uh, Benicio Del Toro, would be better, I think.
0: That, so what I would rec- what I would recommend people do is watch the film and Do you agree with Alec or do you agree with me? And just come down one way or the other. Adam, do you come down on Rami Malek either way?
1: I thought he was good. One interesting note. I don't want to get on a side note. There was an article saying why do they keep having Bond villains where they're physically deformed or they have scars? Uh, that is creating the stigma that somebody with a scar or facial deformity equals evil, uh, and that was interesting. Um, I don't know. I think they're maybe reading a little too much into it. But I guess if you're someone who, you know, was burned or had something like that you probably get tired of seeing it used as a way to show a bad guy in a movie.
0: Well, that goes back to the original Sean Connery films too. Um, that ten and Ian Fleming also had that in his novels uh, about James Bond. So that was part of how he uh, developed the the villains. So again, we recommend you see it. Uh... And uh, we, we think, uh, to decide whether you agree or disagree with how we've uh, uh, discussed this. Want to go on to another film. This is, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, the, the Saints of Newark, and it has to do with a continuation, actually not a continuation, a prequel uh, to to an HBO series. And uh, they took the son of the star who's passed away, put him in the film. So I'm going to ask Alec uh, to uh, talk about this film. You've seen it uh, Give us your views on it.
2: Uh, I was hotter on the mini saints of Newark than a lot of folks seem to be. I didn't outright love it. I didn't love it as much as I love the television series, but uh, I thought it was well done. thought it was quite funny at many points. And I thought there were some excellent performances in the movie, uh, especially from Alessandro Nivola, who plays uh, Dickie Moltisanti, Christopher Moltisanti's father. Um, there were a handful of other performances. I really uh, glommed onto. I thought Vera Formiga was really good as ma soprano and uh cory was really good as junior soprano so um oh and michael gandolfini playing the young tony soprano was quite good as well
0: yeah and i uh i came down a little differently on this i was very disappointed i thought the sopranos was an excellent series i still haven't quite figured out the final episode but that's okay nobody else has either um Jim Gandolfini will never be able to <clears throat> reprise that role again. We'll never get any more on that because obviously he's gone. So his son is, is in the film and plays that role of the young uh, Soprano. But I, 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 was disappointed in the film. I, I cannot recommend it myself. And it's with a great deal of disappointment because I very much uh, was looking forward to seeing this film and, and hoping for something much better. So I think you and I come out a little differently on this. Uh, um, I, I, I wished for a better film and it, it just didn't deliver. Was it the
2: writing that upset you or the performances or all of the above?
0: Well, nothing upset me about it. I, I just think it was just the whole film did not come together very well. Some of the writing was good. So disjointed could, perhaps? Disjointed as part of it. And uh, the story just didn't compel me to think that people should make an effort to see this film. And... Uh, uh, not that it was a bad film or a bad story. I just, it's, it's kind of a close call. I gave it a D plus. I just don't think that it's going to, um, it's, it just makes the cut for a film that you would want to go out of your way to see, whether okay. you're watching it on HBO Max and using your time or, or opening your wallet and going to a, fil- to a movie theater.
2: pretty big disparity between you and I then, because I'm a B plus. Um, okay. I gave the movie four out of five stars. Again, I think the performances carry the movie. Uh, there's a lot of great music in the movie which David Chase always has had a good ear and, and taste for that sort of thing. Um, I see some of the stumbling blocks. Um, it doesn't always work. I wasn't a big fan of the last scene of the movie. I thought it was pretty silly. Um, but there was a lot there I enjoyed.
0: Yeah, and it's, it's, I think they took a complex story and just didn't bring it together very well. They'd had so many possibilities, and I'm sad to say it. I wanted to like this film, and maybe I had higher expectations than i should have but uh
2: did you watch you, it at home or I, watched,
0: at I, I did watch it at home and okay. uh, maybe, on the screen
2: maybe i watched it under really good circumstances i have buddy over who's a huge sopranos fan my wife made italian food We i had some some beverages while watching it i, I was very kind of jovial and happy watching this movie that might have
0: helped so it might have just been the amount of wine you consumed or
2: i don't think it uh, I'm trying to remember what I drank. It wasn't wine. But, oh, okay. Uh, well,
0: that's Italian dinner without wine. Just not quite the same. You know? I'm not a
2: wine guy. I'm more of a spirits or beer. He's not a wine drinker. <laughs>
1: okay.
0: Fair enough. And now, I'm not a big wine because, drinker.
1: And I, I have to tease you both. Yeah. I have to tease you both because Larry is a very tough grader. If you were my teacher in high school, Larry, like it would be hard. Like he'll, I remember some of your reviews will say, this is an excellent film. This is one of the best movies of the year. B+. <laughs> and uh, and then Alec is a very generous grader. Alec was like, I this isn't a very good movie, B minus." So you, you've and, been, and been so, reading I, me I, enough lately.
2: I've been pretty mean lately, man. Like <laughs> reading have hey, You have been. You have Alec, been when you,
0: Alec, when you don't like something, we all know it, okay. <laughs> <laughs> And that's okay. That's, that's the way we want you to be. All right. That takes in the films that I have seen because I've just been on the busy side. You folks have seen more. Uh, there's a movie called Lamb. It's a very fascinating film. Adam, you want to start? Just explain the film and, and your views on it.
1: Yeah. I got an early screener for this and I watched it. It's the latest offering from A24. And if you know them, they are known as kind of the slow burn, art house, often Oscar nominated uh, movie production uh, studio. They've done great offerings like Moonlight and Lady Bird and uh, Uncut Gems. Horror films have really kind of been their bread and butter for a lot of the more profitable movies that they put out, including Midsummer, Hereditary, The Witch, And this, if you like the horror films from A24, which are not your traditional horror films, like Halloween Kills, which we will mention later, um, you will probably like Lamb. It is a slower-paced movie. Uh, It's very patient. There's not a lot of dialogue. When there is dialogue, it's in subtitles. This is an Icelandic set film. But it has beautiful cinematography, a really sweet story. Like, this is a sweet horror film. I don't even... Know if you call it maybe it would be a thriller, fairy tale, fable about a couple who has lost a child and they have a lamb that is born on their sheep farm. But there's something interesting about the lamb. First, you I'll spoil one thing, but not the big spoil. Um, you see it wrapped in a blanket and they're treating it just like a human. And when the blanket drops, you see it's human from the neck down and lamb from the head up with a CGI that at times looks photorealistic and other times looks kind of laughable. But what is their end result in the story is a really nice story about parenthood. Um, It's also in the end, not to spoil anything, a little bit about man taking from nature. And while it is a slower paced film, I promise you it has one of the most crazy endings that you'll see in all of 2021 It is worth it. You may think, all right, is this movie going anywhere? When it hits that climax, you'll say, oh, that was bizarre. All right, I guess it was worth me kind of sitting around for an hour and a half waiting for something to happen because something does happen. Um, I give it four out of five stars. I enjoyed it. There are a lot of it that. You you, you bumped it up. I thought you. I'm I'm bumping it up. I'm bumping it up.
2: Okay, I thought you. Uh, I read your review, I thought it was a three and a half. Maybe I did.
1: Ah, ask me tomorrow. It'll, ask me tomorrow. it will be too. two. Who knows? Okay. Um, but I liked it. I thought it was challenging and interesting, and it took a risk. But for me, the risk worked. If you're into this type of movie, go see it.
0: Well, no question. A24 takes uh, horror films to a different level, a completely different way of telling the story. So Halloween Kills. Alec uh, chimed in on that one. Okay. Can I just
2: throw in a few comments on Lamb, which I also watched?
0: I'm sorry, did I say Halloween Kills? I meant Lamb. Excuse me. Go ahead and talk um, about Lamb. My fault there.
2: I'm lining up pretty closely with them. Uh, I, I also awarded the movie four out of five stars. Uh, I Unlike your review, like what you said in your review, I could have sat there and watched them work on their farm for like an hour. It's so beautifully photographed and uh, just the scenery is exquisite. Um, I do think the movie, as small as it is, benefited, uh, or I benefited from seeing it in a movie theater. Um I love the way it was shot. I love the way it was performed. Um, I There's analogies that play in the movie, but I think if you take it literally, it makes more sense and has more weight to it. So uh, I'm also a four out of five or like a B plus on Lamb. So that was quite good.
0: Yeah, there are some films that need to be seen at a movie theater. I say No Time to Die is a film that really needs to be seen at a movie theater to get the full uh, texture of it. So That was a gorgeous um, movie too yeah i think so well very some of the scenes out in the italian countryside are beautifully shot um okay next film is hollywood kills i'll stay with adam alec in this one and bring adam in uh, hollywood halloween hollywood (laughs) maybe kills too who knows halloween kills Uh, we are in the halloween season uh give us your take on that
2: i'm a horror fan i'm a fan of the halloween franchise um I was excited for this movie. I liked its predecessor from 2018 quite a bit. Um, Didn't dislike Halloween Kills, but um, it was a lot. It is far and away the most violent entry in this series, easily. No contest, no question. And probably the most violent uh, mainstream American horror film within the last seven or eight years. Um, The movie is kind of schizophrenic to me in that it's, Super, super violent, but also attempts to be very comedic at the same time. Um, Jamie Lee Curtis was sidelined for a lot of the movie; She isn't in it very much. I would have liked to have seen more of her. But some of the tangents the movie goes on really worked for me. What did you think about the movie, Adam?
1: So, the Halloween series, um, I'm not a fan of every entry. But the original John Carpenter film, I think, is... I think actually one of the top 100 movies of all time, even regardless of horror films, I think all of the slasher films that we enjoy after it really are because of John Carpenter. And what really made that original great was the suspense, the shadows, and the music. And this movie has a lot of nods, just like David Gordon Green did with the 2018 uh, predecessor, to that 1970s classic, it has a lot of the same music. The, the opening credits are similar. Um, and, uh, but the one thing is that it, there is a lot more violence in it, um, probably more than needed. I think the original didn't need that much violence. It worked with today's audiences. At times it treads into the Rob Zombie uh, territory of violence. I didn't really care for Rob Zombie's entries in the series. Um, there was an interesting angle. So this, they, and, and Larry, I know you like the original too. Tommy, the little kid from the original, is an adult, and he is uh, still kind of battling the demons of surviving Michael Myers. know Michael Myers never really tried to kill him. He just saw him kill someone. Um, Anthony Michael Hall plays him, so it's not the same actor. But there is this part where he like kind of gets a mob of people together to kind of go after him, and I didn't know what they were trying to get at message-wise. It kind of I, is it, it was kind of like Charlottesville or January 6th, but the metaphor doesn't work because Michael Myers is an actual monster, evil monster. This isn't like he's a misunderstood Frankenstein creature. No, he's he's evil. So they were trying to add layers of depth to a, there is nothing going on in Michael Myers' mind. He's just kill, kill, kill. But they're, I think they tried to add layers of depth to him inside, and I don't know if that really worked overall if you like the 2018 one I think you'll like this one um, but you know is it better than the original Halloween hell no so uh,
0: <laughs> well I'll just make quick, I- I'll make two quick comments I have not seen the film the first thing is if this Hollywood uh, this uh, Halloween kills if it's the bloodiest of the series I'm not sure I want to see it <laughs> Numbers- no
2: contest. It is gruesome. There's a ton of eye trauma in it. Like people get stabbed in the eyes. People get their eyes gouged in. It's it's gory, man. It's super, super
0: gory. But Adam is right. The, the original Halloween was a master, I thought, in, in terms of, of horror and suspense. But the part that really struck me about the original Halloween film was something that was fairly new in the horror and, and suspense genre in American films. It was the monster you could not kill. You know, that concept, I think, was the scariest part of of that original Halloween film. But uh, I don't think they'll ever do a better job than that. But Hollywood has to cash in on the series. And that's uh, another example of it here. Uh, Another film is about to come out soon, not right away, but uh, you never know when people will listen or watch our, our podcast. We're recording this. On uh, Friday, October fifteenth, in, in the morning hours when we're recording this, but uh, Adam, I know you have seen a film called The French Dispatch. It is a new Wes Anderson film. I'm a big fan of Wes Anderson directed films, but I read your review and uh, I'm a little disappointed to see that you were not impressed. Tell us about it.
1: So you might likes to like this movie if you like everything he's done then you'll probably like this this is quintessential Wes Anderson for good and for bad it's got the symmetrical backdrops the fonts the music the, the same actors that are in most of his movies are in this Bill Murray Tilda Swinton Adrian Brody Jason Schwartzman all those actors you've seen in many of his movies they're back here again with this though it's kind of a love letter to writers and specifically kind of the New Yorker-style long-form essayist writers, and even that kind of look from the drawings in The New Yorker. It is split into vignettes uh, or episodes, three different acts, and individual stories that are all articles in this newspaper called The French Dispatch, of which Bill Murray is the editor. By the way, the framing device, where he's the editor of the film, uh, it, it... really was kind of needless. It didn't add much to the movie. Uh, it was, you, to wait, you got Bill Murray there. You're waiting for something interesting, and it didn't really do much. Uh, the vignettes, the episodes, they're, they're hit or miss. The first one I enjoyed the most with Benicio Del Toro and Leia Sedu, which we mentioned before. Uh, Benicio Del Toro plays this incar- incarcerated murderer who has a knack for artistic talent, and he's painting, and then art critics and buyers want to start buying his art and want him to create more and his muse is a prison guard played by Leia sedu that he has fallen in love with and uh, not to spoil much but this was my favorite and it comes first so i'm watching this film thinking all right this is this is pretty good if they're all like this uh this might be one of my favorite movies of the year but then the movie kind of falls into a dud in uh, stories two and three francis mcdormand is wasted uh, in a role where she doesn't really get to show much emotion. Uh, Timothy Chalamet, a little bit better, but uh, not that great. And then in the final story, we have uh, Jeffrey Wright, who has a beautiful voice. I would hear him read the phone book, but he is so emotionless. Uh, there's a lot of narration in this film, which is okay. Cause it's like they're reading the article, but it's so cold and emotionless with the narration. I'm sure. Sh- and it's beautiful prose. If you were to read this on a sheet of paper, you would say that is great writing. Uh, The cinematography and the screens look great. There's a lot of good things going on, but it's so fast paced, so verbose. I almost wanted it to slow down and let me linger in the great imagery. Let me hear those great words. You're saying them so quickly. And it became very hard when they threw in subtitles, which I can read subtitles there. I can read, but when it's People in France speaking as fast or faster than people actually speak in France. And the words are popping up on the screen faster than you can read them. And they're not always on the same spot on the screen. The subtitles are bouncing around the screen in different locations. I had a h- trouble catching on what was going on. Uh, in the end, I still appreciated it. I liked it. I appreciated that Heartland Film brought in their first Wes Anderson film. That's a big deal, Prop to heartland they do a great job bringing in big movies i would say it was a c movie it's not terrible but when you consider all of the work of wes anderson i think it's there with like Darjeering limited as some of one of his worst
0: movies so would it be fair to say you recommend one third of the film
1: if you are a huge wes anderson film the fan go see it if you are hot and cold you like some of them other ones you don't like Perceive caution. Maybe you'll like this one. I remember afterwards I was talking to Christopher Lloyd at the Film Yap and he was saying that, oh, this was one of his least favorite along with Life Aquatic. And I said, oh, I love Life Aquatic. That's one of my top four Wes Anderson films. I One of my least favorite is Dardierling Limited. He goes, oh, I like that one.
0: So it just shows you how people have, yeah, oh. we, we don't always look at things the same way. I'm looking forward to seeing Who knows? It. And, but we and, both uh, agree
1: that this one was not one of his best. And yeah. actually, so Wes
0: Anderson TV, generally is a good director. I can't say I'm, I'm in love with everything he does, but I do look forward to any new film that comes that. out uh, that is directed by him. Any, any general thoughts uh, from Alec?
2: I haven't seen the film yet. I will uh, echo Adam's love for Life quiet with Steve Zisu. Hard to hate a movie where Bill Murray lights a joint off a hot air. balloon.
0: Yeah. So. Well, we have another film uh, that's on the way. It's going to be, uh, I think, uh, really, I think it's released as the time as of the time we are recording this. That is the last duel last duel has uh, had a huge marketing campaign. They've been all over television. They have been all over media promoting this film. Adam, I believe, are you the only one that's seen this film so far? So, Adam, uh, talk about Last Duel. I'm looking forward to seeing that one as well. Tell me about
2: it. You're muted, buddy.
0: Can't, we can't, I'm on uh, now.
1: I okay. think we're having some bandwidth issues.
0: Okay.
1: Yeah, I think we're having
0: Yeah, I think you're in and out a little bit bandwidth there, uh, Adam. Here. But uh, just go ahead and you, see. You got me now. now. I've got you now. Go no. ahead and say what you can about The Last Duel.
2: The joys of technology.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
2: Exactly.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think we've uh, got your frozen and kind of in and out audio-wise. You got so me now? I can hear you at the moment, yes. I'm gonna,
1: I switched to a stronger bandwidth signal so you can get me. So, okay. all right, Last Duel. This is the movie I like the most of all the movies you've mentioned today that I've seen. Uh, Ridley Scott is back with a movie that has some big names. Adam Driver, Ben Affleck, Matt Damon, And maybe not the biggest name, but she will be Jodie Comer, who you might've seen on the show, Killing Eve, or recently in the film, Free Guy, uh, in the female lead. This is a medieval 1300s France Knights movie. But if you go into this film thinking this is a Knight's Tale or Excalibur, you will be sadly uh, mistaken. This is actually a kind of a feminist movie about rape. Now, if that already turns you off, just know that this might not be for the film for you. It could trigger you. This film has some very tough to watch scenes depicting rape. But when the end, what it is is really a story about a woman standing up for the truth and facing huge risks. She will literally be burned at the stake if uh, she doesn't win uh, because she has told the, the public that she was sexually assaulted by a man. We'll back up a little bit. Matt Damon and Adam Driver are two different knights or people in 1300s France who are friends. They have a complicated relationship, uh, but it sours over the years because of business deals, whatnot. And then it culminates in Adam Driver raping Matt Damon's wife. Um, It's told in three acts with each version of the truth from different perspectives, kind of like Rashomon, the Kurosawa film. The first act with Matt Damon, I was like, okay, this film's okay. I did enjoy Matt Damon's awesome mullet. This is a really good mullet that he has in this film. Uh, but the story was okay. But the film gets better and better. The Adam Driver one, which Adam Driver right now I think is one of the best working actors in Hollywood, probably the best. He's at the top of his game right now. He gives a great performance. Right now you're not liking these characters. Even though it's from their perspective, you're like, wow, these are kind of shitty people. I don't really don't like them. Uh, but it really in the third act you say, oh, all men are terrible. Matt Affleck, um, uh, not Matt Affleck, that's the uh, Matt Damon, <laughs> and uh, Adam Driver. They're awful people. Jodie Comer, she steals the show with an awards worthy performance when she tells her version of the truth, and then it all culminates in the last duel uh, where they have to fight, and whoever wins the duel, God has chosen to be correct. And if Matt Damon loses the duel, then it'll say not only that he died, but it'll mean that he lied and his wife lied and they'll burn his wife at the stake. So there's a lot at stake here. The final fight is gruesome. It's well shot, uh, but it's really an interesting story. It's written by Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. The only movie they've written since Goodwill Hunting, or at least made into a movie. And, uh, Ben Affleck has a small role. He's kind of a count who is uh, sleeping around. He's got some awesome gold uh, blonde hair and dyed eyebrows
2: and dyed facial hair. So uh, it doesn't and look like, like the African. lost members of Diane's in this movie. It kind of, yeah, great. yeah. He
1: But I, I like this film. Um, I think it's great costumes, great set. There There's one thing that I would say is great about the show when they show the same scenes from different perspectives. Not only was that great directing, because there's different lighting, different music, because it's from a different point of view, but the acting, it was, it was different, but so subtly different that I'd almost want to rewatch to say how different did they deliver the lines in each scene. So I give this like four and a half, maybe close, not I don't know, I don't give a lot of fives out, but it, it's getting up there. This will be one of my top 10 movies
2: of the year, probably. One important thing uh, that you didn't bring up, uh, Damon and Affleck wrote the movie, but so did Nicole Center, a woman and a filmmaker who who has made some really good independent movies. Yeah, she did Can You Ever Forgive Me, the Melissa
1: McCarthy Oscar-nominated film. And I think it was important to have a female voice, right?
2: I don't think she did that one. I think she did one of James Gandolfini's last movies, the one he did with uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Okay. Okay. well, she, she's... She, a, I think she did Friends with Money. She she does a lot of indie, like, dramedy-type stuff. I know they wanted a, a woman's perspective on this, and I think perhaps she wrote the segment that Joey Comer's, like, the representative of her perspective. Well,
1: I, I don't know which part she wrote, which parts they wrote, but it, it felt very sensitive. It didn't... Uh, one interesting note that uh, spoiled, I think, during, like, the trial where they find out whether she was actually raped uh and you can see like even from Adam Driver's perspective of well yeah I did grab her and pin her to a bed but she moaned and so she didn't protest that much I'm like eh, that's that's still rape Adam Driver um but her scene was a lot even worse than that um but during the trial they have somebody come out and say well uh she's pregnant and we know scientifically you can't get pregnant from rape that's just science And I'm like, wow, didn't like a senator say that a couple of years ago? So Uh, there's some shades of, you know, while things are definitely changed, things aren't that different from 1300s France in some respects.
0: Well, at least it's good to see The Last Stool has has lived up to the hype. It's a very highly hyped film, and it appears it has uh, met that standard as far as Adam is concerned. Now, there's one film I was going to talk about Venom 2. I think, Adam, are you the only one that's seen that?
2: Alex saw it. Alex, I saw it, I saw it a few weeks back. Uh, if you like the first one, you'll probably like this. I, I admittedly like the first one a little bit better. Um, Tom Hardy is pretty much the reason to see these movies. He's very good playing both uh, a human and this alien symbiote who uh, transforms him into kind of an anti hero. Uh, He's super funny in the movie. They have or he has good chemistry with himself. Um, In this particular instance, I thought Woody Harrelson was kind of bad in the movie, which is kind of strange. Uh, Harrelson's a good actor and somebody I generally like, but um, he played everything kind of kind of big and kind of annoying. It was also ridiculous to me. Um, His character was supposed to be a teenager in 1996. That's uh, four years after Whiteman Can't Jump and uh three years after cheers went off the air so uh straining believability there even though woody is is a good looking dude for his age
0: well i wouldn't argue with that one adam any other films you would like to talk about before we end the uh review part
1: no but i'm going to be seeing uh king richard on saturday the uh Matt, Will Smith's starred Vehicle. It's a Heartland film uh, kind of special feature uh, about the father of uh, Venus and Serena Williams. And so that'll be interesting. We'll do an episode we'll, I'll, I'll talk about that. So, And I, I hear I hear Will Smith's going to be there. I'm just starting that rumor. He is going to be there. No.
0: <laughs> You're starting the rumor?
2: <laughs> I've, okay. I've heard rumbles that apparently he's the uh, frontrunner for Best Actor Oscar this year. Well, uh, I don't
0: know. It's a little early for that. That's uh, I, I've, heard,
2: I've heard the rumbles, man. I've heard. They're, they're what about Nicholas and pig? Isn't that your choice for best actor, Alec? He's amazing in that movie. See, see the movie and get back with me. I'm telling you, he's so good. in it.
0: Well, Alec, uh, you are maybe the most prolific uh, reviewer on this panel to be sure. Uh, I know you've seen some other films. Anything you want to touch on at the moment?
2: Uh, I could talk about Titane real quickly. Probably the craziest movie I've seen this year. I was cooler on it than a lot of uh, our other local critics. Um, it won the Palm d'Or at Con this year. It's a body horror movie. It has a lot going on in there. I did give one detail up in my review, and I guess I will try to discuss it as classily as possible here. Um, our female lead has sex with a car and becomes pregnant as a result of it. And the movie gets crazier from there. There's layer upon layer upon layer of crazy in this movie. Um, I thought it was well-made. I thought it was well-acted. It just wasn't for me.
0: Oh, so you did not recommend uh, people see it?
2: I gave it a two and a half out of five stars. It was, I I almost walked out of the movie. I was kind of grossed out by it. And I actually watched some of it through my through my fingers. Um I love horror. I love gory stuff. I guess I'm, I'm getting softer in my old age or something. I don't know. Tatane and Halloween Kills kind of tested
0: me. You know, the uh, uh, the film festival, uh, the Cannes Film Festival in, in France, that Palme d'Or, the top prize, I'm not sure it always goes to the best film. I think they uh, that group of people voting there in France, they tend to go for the, the, whatever seems to be the farthest outer or... or going to boundaries and just, you know, going over those boundaries. It sounds to me like that's why uh, it won the big prize. They're just looking for something that uh, that's way out there. And based on what you're telling me, that's, that's you're pretty far out with a story like that. And you didn't even reveal everything about it.
2: There, there's way more to it. Way, way, way more. <laughs> it, it's out there, brother.
0: I want to say a couple of things. Number one, both of you, uh, of course, uh, a is available out there and you're, Reviews are available there, but you also write for the filmyap.com and the filmyap.com now has a sub stack where if you can find all there's some of them available for free, but you find all of their reviews, and they have some terrific reviewers, including the two of you gentlemen who write for them. And I decided, uh, what, just a few weeks ago that I would subscribe to the sub stack. And I'm glad I did. I'm getting some great reviews. I get them all now. So, I know that it, you, neither one of you are getting rich, but at least you're paid a little something for the work that you do reviewing films on the film. Yap. So, if you love films and enjoy films, want to know what's good and bad, it's very, very inexpensive. Just go ahead and go to thefilmyap.com and uh, subscribe to that Substack. I think you will enjoy it.
2: We appreciate your support, Larry.
0: And that is, that is my review of that. I do want to bring up a couple of things. Number one, I just want to say a few words about the Heartland Film Festival. I love this festival. Unfortunately, I've had a lot of personal situations and uh, things that I do on a volunteer basis. They all came at one time, and I have really not been able to, to uh, go out and see uh, the Heartland films this year as much as I have, and I've tried in past years to see as many as I can. And I know Adam, you go back a long way in terms of of, of your relationship with the people at uh, at Heartland. Uh, it has now uh, morphed into one of the uh, most respected film festivals in America, and it's taken them years to do it. But you have to give credit to the to the organizers. I know the man who oversees it is retiring, and uh, someone else is coming in to take it over. That entire staff—they uh, just do outstanding work, and they've built that into one of the one of the best film festivals anywhere. Kim, we're having some problems. I, that. I agree.
1: Cool. Yeah, it's a good, I mean, they do a great job. Um, and they, the one thing I will note that this year is different. They have some new venues, you know, new fields is great. But if you live in a different part of town or want something different, they're using the Can-Can Theater and the Living Room Theater in addition. And these are really cool new theater that kind of add a, a, a different uh, element And it also makes it really fun. They were hosting parties afterwards of some of these for the filmmakers and the attendees. I think over at Living Room, they were going over to Bottle Works and playing some duck pin bowling. So it adds more of a festival atmosphere to uh, this year's Heartland Film Festival. And it's just a welcome addition to have some some new venues. Uh, Nothing against the art museum, but it's fun to mix it up.
0: Yeah, I, I saw you wrote about the living room theaters. I, I had my first visit there a few uh, months ago, and that is a very different concept. And I love the seats.
1: Yeah, unlike Flix, it's like Flix House where they have like full meals you can get. But one thing they do, which I like better than Flix and Flix right now is not open. We don't know. If they will open. We'll see. But you order the food at a counter and then you give them your seat number and they'll, they'll bring it to you. Fewer interruptions that way, which I like. If you need a ton of refills and you need to get multiple beers, you might be out of luck. You might have to head to the lobby. I think there is a button, but uh, I, don't, I don't know if that, it's really that effective. You know, Staffing can be hard in a lot of places. But I think this is easier and you can get your full meal. And the food was good. I got a burger, good bun, good fries, uh, good time.
0: So, Alec, have you visited living room theaters yet?
2: I've been twice. Uh, I haven't been to Cancan Can yet. I'd like to go. Um, my experience at Living Room w- was positive both times. It was funny. Adam was talking about ordering food and beverage. I ordered a Cherry Coke from the lady, and she asked me, are you a heavy drinker? At which point I was like, that's kind of a complicated question, ma'am. But she actually was asking if I wanted two Cokes to take with me into the theater. <laughs>
0: Two-fisted Coke drinker, right?
2: Huh? I was there with a buddy of mine who recently quit drinking, and he thought the whole thing was hilarious. He was so.
0: That is funny. Well, I love living room theaters. Can't wait to go to Can Can. I've just been a little busy. I know they. it took them longer to get uh, up to speed there after the pandemic, but I've heard a lot of good things about that, and they've also been very involved in that Windsor neighborhood, uh, which is not far from uh uh, living room theaters, uh, geographically, it's not terribly far.
2: Pictures I'm seeing of Cancan's Can's food uh, on Facebook. It looks awesome. It looks like they're doing some, some pretty high end stuff there. So
0: I'm waiting. I'm, I'm anxious to go check that out. I have one last item I want to talk about. You gentlemen can, can weigh in on anything you want to add later. We are seeing something we have never seen before. There is a union that represents the people who are on the cruise that produce TV and film productions. These are the people that work the cameras, the sound, the equipment, the people behind the scenes who make the Hollywood productions go. This union that represents these people, it's been in existence for 128 years. They have never called a strike. They have uh, uh, imposed a deadline to get an agreement with on uh, Monday morning, uh, we are recording this again on October fifteenth, the Friday. The following Monday morning is the deadline. Now, people listen and watch at various times, so either these people could be on strike or have this thing already settled by the time you watch or listen. But at least at the time we record this, it's uh, we're on the precipice of a strike that has never happened. Now, as I understand it, the issues are really there. There's some economic issues. The biggest issue or or uh, issues relate to working conditions. Some of these people work 12-, 14-hour days and have to come back to the set like four hours later. Uh, And with the uh, backup of productions that happened after the pandemic, where that was that long period of time where there was little or no uh, production going on, there has been quite a bit uh, of pressure to get more productions done, and, and that and the, the working conditions for people working in this industry, industry has, has, based on what the union is saying, is deteriorated greatly just in the last uh, few months. This covers 60,000 people. They don't all work in Hollywood. Some of them are on location in places all around the country, even a few overseas, so uh, this this could uh, put a big crimp into productions that are going now. Another aspect of this is that when this contract was last negotiated, Netflix was a startup, and they gave uh, Netflix and other streaming services like it a break in terms of their work rules because they were startups. Well, that's not the case anymore. Here you know, they're one of the giants, and they're extremely profitable. So that's why the union, I think, is is, is taking a stand in terms of the working conditions for for their members. So uh, any thoughts, uh, Alec, any, any general thoughts about the possibility, any way of a strike of amongst the people who, who make these productions go?
2: Over the last year and a half or so, I've gotten pretty used to waiting longer for, for movies to come out. Um, I'm okay waiting longer if it means these people are treated more equitably.
0: Adam, any, any general thoughts on this?
2: I'm so
1: behind on content on streaming services that they could produce nothing new for a year, and I will still have plenty of things that I have not seen to watch. It's like every week, it's like two or three new series, and you know, every, about 50% of them are good. So, which I'm not complaining. They bought Netflix buys everything, but uh, there's a ton of good content out there that I've been meaning to watch. I still haven't watched Squid Game. Uh, I don't know if I want to watch societal pressure to watch that one now
0: well my wife has watched squid game and she's recommended that i at least watch the first two episodes and that will determine whether i want to go forward uh,
1: well, your your wife loves the the gory the gory horror the she's more of the
2: horror film fan in your family maybe she'd uh, like to and halloween kills well i don't know
0: <laughs> i think uh, today to may, may be a little, a little outside her, her <laughs> wheel box as well i don't know Uh, But I I do believe, by the way, just so you know, Adam, it's been a while since we've uh, recorded last, and you did recommend that I watch the Val Kilmer documentary on, Mm -hmm. on Amazon, and I did watch that. That was an amazing documentary, and it's really sort of sad to see a man who was such a great actor basically lose his voice. And, uh, it, 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 but it was, it was compelling. So thank you for recommending that. And I would recommend anybody, if you've got Amazon prime, go watch that Val Kilmer, uh, a documentary. It's, it's uh, very well done.
1: You'll like this one too, Larry. It's not, um, I don't think it's free on prime. Now you'd have to pay to rent it, or maybe it'll be like the $5 rental soon. The Anthony Bourdain documentary, a Roadrunner. Yeah. when that comes out, I think you'll like that one too.
2: Yeah. I've I also seen... really like the Val, uh, The Val documentary, I thought it was great. I thought it was very moving to see the relationship between he and his son, uh, Jack, who is also a very good actor in his own right.
0: All well said. Yeah, the Anthony Bourdain is one I want to see. So in one way or the other, I will get a chance to see that. Okay, we're down to final comments. I made mine, Uh, Alec. Any uh, final comments or shots before we wrap this up?
2: Adam's got me excited to see The Last Duel this afternoon. Uh, I'm getting hyped now. I hope I like it as well as he did. Um, I do have a review coming out next week of a, speaking of Netflix, a new Netflix movie called Night Teeth. It's a uh, vampire movie with a uh, very young starry cast. Um, Review will be up uh, Tuesday Wednesday next week sometime.
0: Okay, Excellent. We'll look forward to that. Uh, Adam, any thoughts, uh, final thoughts as we wrap it up?
2: Well, we're going to have to meet again soon.
1: I'll mention uh, King Richard, but I hope we all get a chance to see Dune. Uh, I not read the book, wasn't a big fan of the the David Lynch uh, 80s version, but I am a big fan of the director, uh, Denny Villeneuve, or however you say it. The uh, new? Yeah, the French Canadian director, Arrival, Blade Runner, the new Blade Runner, uh, Prisoners, you know, uh, great direct Sicario. Um, so I, I really am looking forward to that. The cast is fantastic. And from what I hear, that it's a gorgeously shot film. If you thought that the new Blade Runner was had beautiful cinematography, this film just kind of carries that over. So I'm excited. I think uh, next week you can see it in theaters and at home on HBO Max. I might do it at home because I hear it. This is a long movie. So uh, that would oh, a movie theater, dude. That's a movie that's screaming oh, but... for
2: a movie theater. If you feel comfortable...
1: Go to I the
2: theater, theater to
1: go see Dune. I have a small bladder, so maybe I need to see that one at home. I'm not like Larry, where I could sit through The Irishman for four hours without using the bathroom. He's Actually,
0: had a- I, I had to plan for that. <laughs> 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 My liquid intake. Oh, no. I, the guy that just turned 70, I'm not sure I can sit through Dune. I may have to watch it at home, even though I'd rather <laughs> see it. But I must say, I've been reading a lot about the early, some of the early buzz on Dune. And I don't know about you. It is all over the place. Some people who have had a chance to see it love it and some don't. So that just makes me want to see it more. That
1: must mean it's even better. Everyone yeah. This, it, Hey, a film that's a little divisive usually is an interesting film.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Uh, hopefully we won't have to wait uh, as long for our next episode. This is the Movies.com podcast. These gentlemen write uh, for a website called greatamovies.com. You can see their work there. You can also see them uh, and their work at thefilmyap.com. And I uh, would highly recommend uh, you uh, subscribe to their sub stack as I have. You can see all the reviews are all very well written, very well done. So thank you, gentlemen, for another great episode, a great discussion about films and movies. I'm Larry Landon. In the meantime, please be safe and be kind.